I would like to have all the kids come up here, right here in the front row. Anybody who says I'm old enough to sit out, no good. Who's young enough to come sit and answer a question or two and, and get a sucker, just sit here in the front row. Did I hear yay? Oh, come on. You guys, would you grow up over like a month? Yeah. You said that's it, huh? Okay. Okay, well, that's okay. Okay, so we're going to talk for a little, for a few minutes about being on God's team. But first of all, I want to know, who here has ever been on a team in your life for anything? Okay, what kinds of things have you been on a team for? Basketball team. Okay, Caleb. Soccer. Just kidding. You've been on a wanted team, right? Downstairs, when we run around the floor, we have, you, you see, you have verses and all that kind of thing. Okay, Tegan, what about you? Soccer. Anybody been on a school project team? Like, you have to do a group project and you're on a team? Okay. Um, you know, has, have you ever been uh, out at recess or on a team and you're the last one picked? You guys know what that's like? When I used to play baseball in high school, I was the only left-handed person on my team. And guess who was the last one picked every single time? Yeah, me, because I was left-handed. And we'd, throw, we'd have these baseball-throwing drills where you throw the ball this way, then you turn around and throw it this way. Well, a left-handed guy throws it a different direction. I mean, it's just a different arm. Anyway, we lost every time. So that's the last one picked. So that's not very much fun. What do you guys think of when you hear of God's team? Is it, what do you guys think of when you hear God's team? Okay, kind of like a club. Okay, what do you think of Tegan? Okay, Tristan, what do you think of? Okay, being on God's team is kind of like being on God's side. Is anybody here on God's team? Anybody on God's side? How do I get on God's team or God's side? Billy? Good job. You asked Jesus into your heart. Now, when, you, when you're on a baseball team or a soccer team and not everybody gets picked or you're the last one picked, but that's not how it works with God. He doesn't say, wow, because you're little, because you're not so fast, because you're left-handed, because you can't throw, I don't want you on my team. Because he made you just the way you are, and he wants you on his team no matter what, no matter how big you are, how slow you are, if you have no hair, all the hair in the world, whatever, he wants you on his team. And I want to read a couple of verses about being on God's team in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And you'll probably recognize this as you read it. So 1 Corinthians 12, verses 12 to 20, which is kind of a lot, but it's very easy to understand. It says, the body, everybody here has a body, like you have your, yep, wiggle, wiggle, okay, is a unit, though it is made up of many parts. And though all its parts are many, because you have toes and fingers and ears and eyes and everything else makes up a body, it says, we all form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jew or Greek, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. So there's lots of people from all over the world, blacks and whites, girls and boys, Jews and Gentiles, Indians, Mexicans, Chinese, that make up the body of Christ. It's not just limited to white people or to, or to anybody. Now it says in verse 14, it says, it says now the body is not made up of one part, but of many, right? You guys have five fingers. You have one nose. That's six things right there. It says, the foot should not 
if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, would it, for that reason, see, would it stop you to be part of the body? If the foot says, because I'm not a hand, I'm not part of the body, would it, would it be part of the body still? Yeah, it would still be part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong part of the body, would it still be part of the body? Yeah, Tristan, yeah? It would still be part of the body? Okay, good. All right. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If, every, if, if my whole body was one big eyeball, how would I hear? Could I hear? No, I couldn't hear because I need what? I need ears. Good job. If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? Your ears smell, but it's not, it doesn't smell the same way your nose smells, right? Ha ha. Bad joke. Um, says verse 18, but in fact, God has arranged the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. So whether you stay four foot 11 or whether you become seven feet tall or whether you become really good at science, or really good at baseball or really good at cooking, God has made everybody just the way he wants them to be. If the whole, if, uh, verse 19 says, if, if they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. Now, because I'm not a foot, I can't say I'm not part of the body, but also I can't say I don't need Tristan because he's not like me, and I don't need Sarah because she's not like me. It says, I cannot say to the hand, I don't need you, and the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, every part is needed, right? Even, even though I might look and say, because you're not as good as me, or you can't say because you're not as good as me, or because I'm not as good as you, that it's not important. And that's the way it is on a baseball team. We say, we don't need you because you're not as good as me. But being on God's team means everybody has something to do. And this list down at the bottom is a great big list of a lot of things that big people do. But that doesn't mean you guys are off the hook. You're part of the body of Christ. What are some things that you can do as part of the body of Christ? You could be with them. Like, do what, though? With Jesus? Okay. Pray. What else did you do today? Play the piano, right? Yeah, you don't have to be an old person to do that or a, a person with 20 years of experience to do that or, or a teacher to do that. You can do that. How old are you? Six, seven, eight, seven? You can be seven years old and play the piano. What else can you do as part of the body of Christ? Read your Bible, Okay. Hug your mom. Hey. How about invite kids to Awana? You could be a missionary. You can invite kids to church. You can tell people about Jesus. So you guys, if you've trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, even though you're seven years old or six years old or five years old, you're part of the body of Christ and you have a part to play. You understand? All right. Is that you guys ready for a sucker now? Okay. They're not the whistle suckers. So we don't have to worry about that. Okay, everybody can just come up and get a sucker and then go back and make sure yeah, make sure you guys share while you do that. Sure, you can eat it. Okay. Okay, so this past week there was something that happened in the sporting world. It was the NFL draft. You're welcome. Now, I, don't, I have to admit, I honestly don't know a whole lot about the NFL draft, but the idea behind it is that you have kids in college who say, I am ready for the real world. I'm ready to play in the NFL. 
And so they, they make it known to the schools, hey, if you'd like to draft me, I'm ready. And then the, the, the professionals, the, the coaches and the scouts, they search these people out and they, they decide, who do I want for a quarterback? Who do I want for a cornerback? Who do I want for a defensive lineman? And then their big days come. It was last Thursday and Friday, I don't know if Saturday, yeah, and Saturday, where they, these kids are waiting by the phone, waiting for somebody to call them. Now just think for a second, why do they have a draft? Why don't they just let anybody who wants to play join a team? Why? Okay. <laughs> okay. Tristan's got the right idea. You want the best people on your team in the best position because you want to win, right? That's why they have a draft, and they, I, if, if a team doesn't need a quarterback, they're not going to pick a quarterback, and they're going to try to they'll trade up and they'll trade down and try to get the best person for their team. Now, you might be looking and saying, whoop de do I don't really care about uh, football with, with the draft because it's just a game, but you get the idea that they're after the best person, right, for their team. They want the best person. Now, let's just say that, you know that ache you have in your lower back right here? Or the ache that you have here? Or that tightness in your chest? Or that neck problem that's giving you issues? This week, you might decide, I've had enough of the pain and the discomfort. And so I'm going to the doctor to get this figured out. You get to the doctor, and the doctor says, yep, Josh, look at you. We're going to have to take that out. We're going to take out your pancreas. Or, or your gallbladder, or something. We're going to have to do something to you. So he sits, he sits you down in the office, and then he starts to explain, this is what needs to happen, and this is how it's going to work, and this is the kind of the procedure of how it's going to go. How many of us are not going to think just for a half a second, I wonder what this doctor was like in school. Was this the kind of doctor that uh, worked hard every single day, that learned the material very well, that was the top of his class? Or was this the guy who cheated to get into through his classes? Because I've heard about that. I've seen it in colleges where people cheat because they need to pass a test. And if a doctor does that, that's like the last person you want to do that, right? Or was this the person who barely passed? They did the work, but they had to take the test twice and they barely passed. How many, I mean, that those thoughts would be running through my head. All I've ever had in my life are stitches, and I've had lots of stitches, and that's not that big a deal. But if you're going to be cutting inside of me and taking something out and rearranging things, I want to make sure that you are the best doctor possible, right? If, if, I could, if I could know all that information, that's who I want, right? That's who you want for your doctor. If you're going to have them open-heart surgery, you want somebody who's good at what they're doing. Or maybe down the road you find yourself uh, looking for a lawyer. You've been accused of doing something terrible. Obviously, you know, I know everybody's innocent. No one's done anything. But you're looking for a lawyer, and there's three different outcomes you could get. You could either get, get off scot-free because you really didn't do the crime, and every, your name's going to be cleared. You could get time in jail up to life sentence, or you could get the death penalty. How many people, when they're looking for a lawyer, are going to look at the guy with no experience? He's fresh out of law school. He's gung-ho, and he wants to... To be your lawyer, how many people are going to look at him and say, I'm going to put my life in your hands? I want the guy with the track record, the 20 years that's gotten people off, after people off the hook and has, 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 has experienced it, has, has had success over and over. That's who you want as your lawyer, right? Why? 
You want the person who is best going to help you, most likely, to succeed. Oh, you find that in sports, you find that in medicine, you find that in politics, you find it on the, the kids' teams. They even know better. They want to pick the team that's going to help them win. And that's the kind of thing that we all want. Well, today we have Jesus picking the 12 disciples. And I don't think that Jesus looked at this great big group of people and said, you're the cream of the crop, so I'm going to pick you. You know, by today's standards, if, they were, if Jesus was to pick disciples, they'd say, okay, we want the guy who graduated at the top of his class from Dallas Theological Seminary. That's who we want. We want the guy who's got five, at least five years of experience in church growth and proven discipleship and in uh, just bringing people along and, and has experience with every age group from the little kids all the way up to the elderly who's done baby dedications and baptisms and has done funerals. His, he has experience in everything. But I think if those guys were around, I don't think Jesus would have picked them because the, idea, the, the thing is that Jesus wasn't looking for people and what they could do. He was looking for people that God could use and to see what God was going to do through them. And that's what I'm asking for. I'm, that's what I want. I'm, so I'm going to pray and say, hey, God, I'm an ordinary guy. Could you please use me in an extraordinary way? Because you didn't, you didn't pick me because, wow, Josh is something special. You picked me because hopefully that God wants to do something through me. So I'm going to pray and ask God that he would use me, just a simple guy, to share his message. Dear God, I thank you for your word. God, I thank you that you, uh, you love each of us the way we are, that you've made us, you've made us part of the body of Christ, and you want to use each one of us, that you don't wait for us to be perfect before you use us. And I know it's, it's, a, it's hard to believe that because there's so many... There's so many things around this world that look for the very best of the best, and that's who they want, but you are looking for people who are willing. So I just, I just pray now as I open my mouth that words would come out clearly, that the meaning of your text would be clear, and that we would understand, even me as I'm speaking, you teach me, and help it sinking into my head that you want to use me because you made me this way, not because of how special I am or not how special I am, but because of how you can use me. So I just pray for your help now. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so we're going to be in Luke chapter 6, verses 12 through 19, and we're going to be looking at Jesus picking his 12 disciples. And as you look, you're going to see the same thing that I saw, that these guys were not the best of the best. I mean, I don't see how they would be the best of the best. They were people, and they were willing to be used by God, and so God used them. So Luke chapter 6, verses 12 through 19. And I know I don't normally read through a whole passage, but I'm going to do that today so you get kind of the whole picture. And then I'm going to kind of work backwards from... This is the group of disciples, down to the 12 disciples, and then ultimately down to what this has to do with us. So Luke 6, verses 12 through 19, it says, One of those days Jesus went out on a mountainside to pray, and he spent the night praying to God. When morning came, he called his disciples to him, and he chose 12 of them, whom he also designated apostles. Simon, whom he named Peter, his brother Andrew, James, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon, who is called the Zealot, Judas, son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. Some of those names, I'm sure, sounded very familiar. Some of them did not sound familiar. John. Okay. Thank you, Noah. says, I miss John. (laughs) Verses 17 through 19 says, He went down with them and stood on a level place. A large crowd of his disciples was also there. And a great number of people from all over Judea, from Jerusalem, and from the coast of Tyre and Sidon, 
who had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. Those troubled by evil spirits were cured, and the people all tried to touch him because power was coming from him and healing them all. So you have, in verses 17 through 19, you have a great big number of disciples, and you have a large number of onlookers, people who are just there to hear Jesus speak and to be cured of the, the diseases that they have and have the demons cast out of them. Now, uh, when Jesus is calling his disciples, this, there's a large group of disciples. A disciple is, by definition, a pupil or a learner. There, you probably could be a disciple of anybody. There are people who are disciples of John the Baptist. They heard what he said. They're disciples of Moses. You can they probably have a disciple, in a, in a weird sense, at a, of a school, at a, of a teacher, because you're a pupil, you are learning. But when it came down to Jesus, this was more than just be, being someone who's filling up their think tank with what Jesus is saying and what God's word says. It's saying, okay, this is what it says, this is how I apply it, and they actually go out and do it. That's what these kinds of disciples that Jesus had following him were the kind who are willing to hear what God says and go out and put it into practice. The other group was a group of onlookers. These were the people who, they came from a great distance to see Jesus. It, it, it mentioned a couple different places. If you didn't look at a map, you wouldn't know. But you have Tyre and Sidon up here, and you have Jerusalem somewhere down here. The distance between these two places is about a, between 100 and 150 miles. Where Jesus is located is not specifically stated. So somewhere, we'll, we'll say in the middle, Jesus is there. And somewhere between 50 and 75 miles, these people have come to hear Jesus speak and to be healed and to see Jesus do miracles. They've come somewhere in the middle, which is, which is a, a big sacrifice. It's a big step for us. You know, you drive 75 miles down the road, you're there in one hour. It's not that big a deal. For them, it, it was by foot, and it wasn't level ground, and it took a lot of time to get there. And just thinking about all these people who came to hear Jesus speak, how many of those people who were curious came and became Jesus' disciples? Now, I'm not thinking they all have to say, we're going to stop where we're living and start following Jesus around. You know, there's, there's a good chance that there's a lot of these people who heard what Jesus said and said, okay, I'm still going back to Tyre and Sidon. I'm still going back to Jerusalem, and I'm going to follow Jesus there. But how many of those people heard what he said and went and did what he said? Or how many people are like us when we watch a good movie? You know, because when you watch a good movie, they have all the right songs in all the right places. They get all the emotion going. They have all the right words. They have the right ending, and they wrap you up really well in a movie. And so while you're watching, you're thinking, I could do exactly what they do, and my life is going to change, and I walk out that door, I'm going to be something different. But then you get back home, and okay, that was just a movie, and so there's, it's not that, that big a deal. How many of those people, when they got healed by Jesus, or they saw Jesus got healed, how many of them became his disciples? How many said, okay, this is what Jesus did for me, now I'm going to do it for them? Or how many of them were like me when I go to the dentist? I go there. They get my teeth all clean. I have no more cavities, and I'm determined because I've just been made better. My teeth are completely clean, and I'm determined for about two days to go home and brush my teeth twice a day, to floss my teeth once and use that blue gargle and gargle because I'm so determined I do not want to go back. How many people treat, treated Jesus like, because there was a difference made in me, I'm going to go be different? And how many people said, well, Thanks, Jesus, for casting the demon out of my son. I'm on my road home. Or how many? Or said, hey, thank you for healing my mother-in-law because she was 
suffering with some kind of sickness, now I'm going to go back and live my life the way I've always lived it. How many of those people were any different? And let me ask you the same thing. What kind of category would you fall into? The kind of category when you hear God's word, when you read it, when you hear it on the radio, are the disciple that says, okay, I don't necessarily like what I'm reading. I have no idea where it's going to lead me if I do follow, but I'm going to follow it wherever it leads, and I'm going to be a disciple of Jesus even when it's tough, even when I'm away from home, I'm away from church. I'm going to keep doing the disciple thing and hearing what I've put in my think tank, I'm going to go put into practice. And how many of us are, are like the, the onlookers who I say they heard what was they were supposed to hear, they saw what they were supposed to see, but they go home and it's completely the same. They say, I appreciate the message, I appreciate the songs, I appreciate the fellowship that I had, but when I walk out the door, I separate the two and I forget about the one when I get into the other. What category do you fall into? So at this point in the message, Jesus has chosen his disciples because, I mean, chronologically, 17 through 19 comes after 12 through 16. So Jesus has already picked these guys, but I want to go back to the start in verse 12 where Jesus is preparing to pick the right disciples. In verse 12, and Jesus prays for who he should pick. And Jesus doesn't just pray like you're praying for a meal or pray for a couple minutes. Jesus prays all night long to pick the right disciples. Luke chapter 6, verse 12, it says, On one of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray, and he spent the night praying to God. Now, many of us will spend the night uh, all-nighters, right? We're going we're gonna to have an all-night party. We're going to have an all-night movie fest. We're going to have an all-night travel from here to Timbuktu. But when it comes to praying, boy, that puts me to sleep. You know, I, I pray there with my eyes closed, and I'm going to just, after a little while, I'll go to sleep. How many of us, but Jesus, he wasn't that kind of praying where I'm like sort of paying attention, and then I, I fall asleep. He was actively praying. It, it just as if I, Jesus, God was right there, and if he's talking to him, he's involved in everything that he's saying all night long. I just think of, of how many of us are willing to do that all night long. I mean, how, if we had a decision to make of who we're going to stick as the president of the United States, how many of us are going to pray all night long for that? We need to put somebody in church office. We need a new deacon or a new trustee or a new anything else like that. How many of us are going to spend all night praying for the right person? Or if we, have, we needed to hire an employee at work, we're not going to pray all night long for that. We're going to say, God's got it in control, I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to go to bed, right? That's the kind of thing that a lot of people do. But Jesus said, I'm going to pray all night long because it's that important. So, so Jesus has already picked his disciples, like I said, chronologically, and then he's, before getting back to the very start, he's praying all night long to, to pick his disciples. So let's see, let's see who this dream team is. Let's see who Jesus picks and see if they're, if they're this... If they're like the Pro Bowl linebacker we're expecting a football team to get, or if, if he's going to be the next uh, Michael Jordan for the basketball team that we, we put all this time into studying, and let's see if Jesus finds anybody like that. And if he does, let's see if there's anybody like us if he doesn't. Okay, so verses 13 through 16, these are the name of the 12 apostles that he starts with. There's Simon, whom we named Peter, Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon, who is called the Zealot, 
Judas, son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. I don't know how many of those names sound familiar, except for if you've heard it in that list, it probably sounds familiar. But what did these guys do? Some of these guys did a whole bunch. They, they screwed up a whole bunch, but they finished well. One guy was a traitor who, who looked good at the very beginning, but then didn't finish well. And there's a bunch of people who, who are these people? Because there's nothing that says what they did for Jesus, and there's nothing in history that says anything about them. So I'm going to run through these guys, and we'll see the positives, the negatives, and what does even history have to say about a few of them. So the first one is Simon Peter. He's probably the most popular disciple. Uh, he was a fisherman. We saw uh, in Luke chapter 5, he was the guy who went fishing all night long, didn't catch anything. He went back out there, and they, he caught so many fish that the nets began to break, and he got his buddies together, and they put so many fish in the boats that they began to sink in Luke chapter 5. And he, he left everything to follow Jesus. In verse uh, chapter 5, verse 10, he says, Don't be afraid, Peter. From now on, you will catch men. Peter was just an average, ordinary fisherman. And in Peter's life, I'm not going to go through everything. I just want to fit, pick a few of the highlights and a few of the lowlights. Uh, in, in Luke chapter 22, which we're going to get to probably next year sometime, Luke chapter 22, we're going to see that Peter talks big because he's, he's a disciple, and by this point, he's getting pretty bold in, in how he's going to live for the Lord. Uh, he, so he's talking big. Luke 22 Verses 31 to 34. And this is right before Jesus is going to be betrayed and be crucified. Verse 31 says, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that when you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brother. But he replied, Lord, I'm ready to go with you to prison and to death. I don't, I don't care what these guys do. I'm ready to follow you. From this point on, and Jesus answered, I tell you, Peter, before the rooster crows, today you will deny me three times. So he's talking big at this point. There's nothing that's going to get between him and his faithfulness to God. But you keep looking, and in John chapter 18, you find that when they're in the Garden of Gethsemane, uh, when Judas comes with all the Roman guards to collect Jesus and take him off, Peter gets, he becomes a wild man. He grabs a sword from somewhere, and I don't know how you swing, and he cut off the servant of the high priest. His name was Malchus. He cut off just his right ear, which I don't know if that makes you a good shot or a bad shot. But he cut it off, and Jesus cleaned it off and said, Hey, he who lives by the sword dies by the sword, cleans it off, puts it back on the guy's head, and then Jesus goes off with him. So he's talking big. He's trying to act big. And then we're going to see that he fails really big in uh, Matthew chapter 26, verses 69 through 75, we find out how big a, how big a guy, how big a talker this guy was and how, how far he fell. So Matthew chapter 26, verses 69 to 75, I'm just going to read the last couple of verses, uh, 74 and 75. Then he, uh, so he's, he, he was willing to, he was willing not to stand up to a servant girl when she said, hey, you're like you're, you're with Jesus, right? No, it wasn't me. There's another girl. Hey, you were with that Jesus guy, weren't you? Nope, wasn't me. Then there's a group of people who said, hey, look, you, you sound just like you were with him. you got to be one of them. And then he says, uh, in verse 72, he denied it. And then 74 says, he began to call down curses on himself. And he swore to them, I don't know the man. 
And immediately a rooster crowed. Then Peter remembered the words Jesus had spoken. Before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. This is Peter. This is one of the twelve. This is one of the guys that Jesus, he had a great big bunch of disciples to pick. This is who he picked? This guy who just denied him three times? That's pathetic. He did not do his homework. He didn't, he didn't check out on his past and his... That's what the world would say is, how could you pick somebody like this? But as time goes on, uh, when Jesus rises from the dead, he, he kind of works things out with Peter. And then you find in Acts chapter 2 that Peter, he takes off and he starts going the right direction a little bit better. In Luke chapter, or I mean Acts chapter 2, verse 14, it says, Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. And then you find in verse 41, it says, Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. That's amazing. You have a fisherman who just fishes. That's all that he does. Day after day, he catches fish. I don't think they're very social. I think they just catch their fish. They go to the market, and they sell it. They take a nap and they go do it again day after day after day to catch fish. And then he has, then Peter's, he's like, on fire, I'm going to follow the Lord. Then he's like, I'm fire, I'm not going to follow the Lord, I'm going to deny Jesus. And then he looks like a complete failure, but as time goes on, he starts to look like a success because he's preaching. And 3,000 people got saved, more people than in Plevna, and in Baker, and in Ismay, and who knows how big an area you can have, got saved in one day because of this guy who Peter, who Jesus called named Peter, preached a message. But he didn't grow up with training. He didn't go to Bible school. He didn't have experience. He was raw. He was green. He had nothing about him to say, Peter, you're the first draft pick I have, and I'm picking you. There was nothing about him like that. And Jesus picked him. And it wasn't about who Peter was or what he could or could not do. It was about what God could do through Peter. And after time, God showed that he could do a lot with Peter. Now, the way that Peter, through history, the way that he died was he was crucified. And that's, that's the, the story that goes around is that he, he was crucified. But he says, I'm not worthy to die the same way Jesus was. So crucify me upside down. And so he died upside down on a cross. Because he says, I'm not worthy to die the same way that my Savior was. This guy who, like I said, started out as a fisherman, got to the point where he says, I'm willing to die for Jesus, but I'm not, willing, I'm not worthy to die the same way he was. Let that, we're going we're gonna to just hang on to that thought a little bit. The next guy, and these are all much shorter, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, he was also a fisherman. And he was the disciple who, or he was the guy who actually brought Simon to Jesus in the first place. In John chapter 1, he was a disciple of John the Baptist. John chapter 1, verses 40 to 42, says, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. Andrew, that's about the only thing that you find about him was he brought his brother Simon Peter to Jesus. That's all we have about him. History says Andrew was crucified. That's it. I'm sure he did more that was not recorded in the Bible, and even in history, I'm sure that there's more, but that's all that's recorded. These next couple of guys, they're brothers. James, son of Zebedee, 
and Simon or and uh, John, son of Zebedee, these were a couple of guys who wanted the best seats in heaven. They talked to Jesus while they were on a trip and said, "Hey, we want you to do for us whatever you ask, whatever we ask. We want to we want to sit on your left and we want to sit on your right. We want to sit on the very best places that you have." That's the kind of character these people had, and it gets even better than that. It's a little more interesting. Um, these guys, when they were called to follow Jesus, they left their dad to follow Jesus. Matthew chapter 4, verses 21 to 22. Now, for some, that's a, for some it's not that big a deal. I, I left my parents in Davenport, and I moved to Montana. Not that big a deal. But if you, if you are a rancher your whole life, and your dad is expecting you to take over the ranch, and he's working with you, or you're running the business, and all of a sudden you say, hey, Dad, I'm leaving because God wants me over there, how easy is that going to be to do? Because the cows are still there. The fences still need mending. There's still this whole ranch that needs to be taken care of. And we've been training you your whole life to do this. They said, we're going to leave our dad, and we're going to leave our fishing business, and we're going to follow Jesus. Chapter 4, verses 21 to 22, it says, going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets, and Jesus called them. Immediately, they just dropped the nets in the boat, and they, they left their boat, and they followed Jesus. So these, uh, these two guys, if you've ever heard of, uh, they were called the Sons of Thunder. Now, that could be for a very noble reason. They could have been so on fire to serve the Lord, and they were the greatest disciple witnesses that Jesus had. Or it could be for something else in Luke chapter 9, 51 to 54. This is why I think... They were called the sons of thunder. Jesus was trying to travel through the Samaritan villages. He was having the disciples go ahead and prepare the way. And when they, they heard that Jesus was coming, they said, uh-uh, Jesus, you're not coming this way. And so these guys had this, they had this really classy response on how they wanted to deal with it. Luke chapter 5, uh, 9, verses 51 to 54. It says, as the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. And he sent messengers on ahead who were in the Samaritan villages to get things ready for him. But the people there did not welcome Jesus. So when the disciples, James and saw, John, saw this, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call fire down from heaven and destroy them? I think that's why they were called the thunder, sons of thunder. They were, they were willing to destroy this whole Samaritan village because they did not want Jesus coming through that way. These are guys who are supposed to be sharing the love of Jesus. They're supposed to be sharing the salvation of Jesus. And here they want to blast people because Jesus is not going to be accepted. Not exactly the kind of disciples that I'm, I'm thinking make the best disciples. Not exactly the dream team that you would expect Jesus to pick. But these are just ordinary guys that God says, I'm going to use these people because, not because of what they can do, but because of what I can do through them. James was put to death with the sword in Acts chapter 12 by King Herod. He was, he, was one of the, he was the only guy, I think, mentioned in the Bible who was actually put to death that was recorded. Everybody else, you have history saying, this is how this guy died, and this is what happened to this guy. John, son of Zebedee, the brother who wanted to call down fire in the Samaritan village, uh, he was also the fisherman who gave up his family. He gave up the family business to go and, and follow him. Well, he was, he was a guy that... Uh, is given credit for writing the book of Revelation, the book of First and Second and Third John, and who saw that coming? A fisherman writing a book of the Bible. 
I mean, I don't even know how well they could write in the first place. You just, you say, that's, that's a mind over matter kind of job. That's not a brain kind of job. I mean, you, you figure out where the fish are at, you throw the net, you, you, you patch the, the net, and you sell your fish, you get your money, and that's about it. You don't expect someone like that to be writing a book of the Bible, but he did. When it comes to John dying, he was a stubborn guy. He's about the most stubborn guy you've, you've ever heard of, because uh, he, was, he was so irritating to the, to the Roman people when he was preaching the gospel uh, that they, a lot of times what they do, they dip these people in oil, hot oil, to kill them. And then I've, I've heard that they put them up on a lamppost and they'd light it, so you'd have your, your night lights. Well, John the Baptist did not die when he experienced that. So he got banished to an island, of the island of Patmos, which is where he wrote the book of Revelation, and he just lived out the rest of his days there, and he didn't stop. He didn't say, okay, well, I've faced enough. I'm going to give up on telling people about Jesus. He just got his honorary and just said, okay, I'm 90 years old, and I'm going to keep doing this. I'm going to keep telling all these people about Jesus. But who saw that coming at the very start? He probably thought I'm going to be a fisherman. I'll probably drown out in a boat because there's a big storm, and I'll die a young man, and that's it. Here he's 90 years old, still telling people about Jesus, writing the book of Revelation. Who saw that coming? Philip, he's the next guy. He got a, a personal invitation to follow Jesus. And what he did is he went and found someone named Nathaniel. said, hey, look, we have found the Messiah. We found the Christ. And that's about all that's listed about him. Not, it's kind of surprising as I look through. I would expect more for these are Jesus' 12 chosen men, but not everything is recorded. His death is unknown as, as to how he died. The next guy is Nathaniel. This guy, I, I learned... A, as, as much as I could about this guy, and it was a little bit surprising, because in John chapter 1, verse 47, this was, this was the guy that makes the most sense to me to actually be a, an apostle or a disciple of Jesus. John chapter 1, verses 47. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said to him, or said of him, here is a true Israel, Israelite in whom there is nothing false. This guy, he's telling everybody, this guy is a guy who, is following what God's word says. And he's not, a, he's, there's nothing false. He's not a hypocrite. He says this is where you're supposed to live, and this is the guy, and this is the guy who lives it out the way he's supposed to. He's the only guy that makes sense to me that he's actually a disciple of Jesus. But the funny thing is, you look and you say, that's it. There's nothing else recorded about him. Peter was the guy who got up there speaking, and 3,000 people got saved. You would think you would have a guy like, Nathaniel, who would be the one speaking, but it was Peter. And the way he died was possibly he was stabbed to death. He was a martyr for Jesus, and that's the way his life ended. The next guy, and I'm sorry if this is boring to everybody, but there's a point on what I want to bring up about these guys, that these are just average, ordinary guys who have nothing that the world will say, yeah, pick him, pick her. These guys are the, the people that you should pick because God doesn't work that way. Thomas, he's the guy we looked at a couple weeks ago, known as Doubting Thomas. He earned that nickname because even when the disciples were doubting, when they saw Jesus, they believed. They went and told Thomas, and Thomas says, I'm not going to believe that unless I stick my hands in his hands and stick my hand in his side. I'm not going to believe that Jesus has risen from the dead. But that's all you hear about him. You don't hear that he did miracles. You don't hear that he taught. Did he do a bunch of things for God? Take your guess. Did he do nothing else for God? I don't know. 
Tradition has it that he was run through by the spears of four different soldiers. So he was willing to die for his faith, but that's all that's recorded. Now these next couple guys, we're going to race through because there's absolutely nothing recorded about them except their name in the list of the, the 12 disciples. There's James, son of Alphaeus, who, there's no, like I said, there's no mention of him. He was thrown down from a high place by the temple, by the scribes and the Pharisees, and he was stoned to death. Not a fun way to go. Simon the Zealot, no mention of him except for that he was an apostle. His tradition of death was that he was uh, ministering in Persia, and because he would not worship the sun god, he was put to death. Judas, son of James, his, there's nothing else recorded about him except for that he died, and we don't even know what happened there. Judas Iscariot, he's the guy that we go, oh yeah, that guy. How do you pick a guy like that? I mean, that's like the worst pick in the NFL draft. How do you pick a guy like Judas? Can't you tell by something that this is not the guy that you want? But Jesus still used him. He did not end, he didn't, I guess it sounds like he didn't spend most of his life very well. In John chapter 12, verses 4 through 6, you find out that he was the keeper of the money bag. That when the disciples had money, he, but he just helped himself to it. He just wanted to keep whatever money. He just, oh, I, I feel like I need those Sandals, I feel like I need this little extra food, whatever. I'm just helping myself. And he was the guy who betrayed Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. I'm sure everybody knows that. And ultimately, he died because he hung himself after he had turned Jesus in. So you look at these guys. You look at all 12 of them. By worldly standards, you say, boy, that's not really... Jesus really didn't do that great a job. I mean, you want fishermen. There's four people who will make great fishermen. I even skipped Matthew. Matthew was a tax collector. Who, who needs a tax collector? He has a bad reputation, but Jesus says, it doesn't matter what his reputation is. Come and follow me. And his, he, he does, himself doesn't even have a lot recorded, except for that he had that dinner at his house when, when, and he brought all sorts of people to Jesus. We looked at that a couple weeks ago of, of bringing people to Jesus. And he didn't say, hey, Jesus did this and Jesus did that. He just brought them to a place where they could meet Jesus. But according to these people, none of these guys, you say, would make up the dream team. After hearing about them, you think, boy, I think there could have been a better option. It doesn't feel like any of these guys are quite qualified. Now, we might look at them and feel like they're not qualified. We might look at ourselves and say, you know what? I'm not very qualified to be used by God. You know, I, I don't speak well. I don't, I don't have lots of money. I, I don't persuade people with the gospel. I, I don't, I, I look at me and I'm just, there's just not a lot to me that makes me feel like I'm anything special. And you might feel that way. I feel the same way as well. But you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to have years and years of experience before God can use you. You don't have to go to Dallas Theological Seminary before God can use you. He can use you just the way you are. He made you that way, just like with these kids. It's the hand can't say to the foot, I don't need you. The hand can't say, because I'm, I can't do what the eye can do. I'm not needed. Every part is important. Everybody has, everybody has a part to play. Jesus isn't interested in what, what your resume said. He isn't interested in what you can do or what you can't do. He's interested in what he can do through you if you're willing to be used by him. And if you want to be used by God... I want to pray for you, but I, I want to say, if you want to be used by God, be the kind of disciple who takes what he or she hears and puts it into practice. 
And I know it's hard to put these things into practice, to, to love your neighbor as yourself. Well, is that going to make a difference if I do that? I don't know if it is. But that's what the Bible says. Put into practice what you hear. Be that kind of disciple. And if you want to be, you just think in your, hell, in your head, God, I want to be that kind of disciple. And I'm going to pray and say, hey, God, I echo what they're saying. Please help them to be the kind of disciple that you can use and use them for something great. Because God made you to be used by him. Not to sit on the sideline. Not to be, boy, I wish I was that way or I wish I could do that. The, all, those, all the people now who are sitting on their couches who did not get picked for the draft, thinking, man, I wish I was them. I wish I was the first round pick. No. Everybody's a part of the body of Christ and God has a responsibility and a job for each one of us. And so if you want to be used by God, I'd say get, take what you hear in his word and do it. And I'm going to pray and ask God that he would help you as well as help me to be the kind of disciple who, who listens and who obeys what his word says and is used by God. Dear God, I thank you for these 12 men. And I know we look at them and we see lots of flaws, God. We see that they disowned you. We see that they, uh, they didn't show up at, at the tomb when you were going to raise from the dead. We see that um, they were just ordinary people. And it's, it's easy to say how, how they don't even... Like I even said, I don't see why you picked these guys, but you did pick them, and I don't know why you picked me to be here, but you did. And God, I know that there could be people out here who are feeling like they're inadequate to be used by you for for any way because of their history or because of what they don't know about your word. And I just pray that, God, if they want to be used by you, that you would bless them. I pray that the things they hear from your word and the things that they read, that they would remember, and they would have the courage to live out, and the things that you want to accomplish through them that you would, and they would recognize that you are using them. God, I know you had your 12 apostles, but you have called each one of us to be your follower and to, and to obey your word, so please help us to do that well today. In Jesus' name, amen.